I'm Joel Ozan, you're listening to MM Maniacs Podcast. You're listening to the MM Maniacs with Nick David and Matt Kona. Well, hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, animals of all varieties. Welcome to the MMAniacs podcast. Myself, Nick David, and... And myself, Matt Kona. And yourself, Here Matt Kona. Here bring, bring you the, the hits and... Uh, from the 70s. The A-sides and the B-sides. We got them all. Uh, I uh, guess another week yeah, with no fight card at the end of it. Uh, but there was a there was some news last week, both good and bad. Um, starting, of course, with the uh, untimely death of a former UFC fighter, seven-fight veteran Canadian Ryan Jimmu who passed away after a hit and run uh, late Sunday night in the parking lot of a nightclub. Uh, obviously terrible news and uh, more bizarre that he's the second MMA fighter within the last two weeks to, to suffer that kind of a grisly death. Uh, but I mean, you're the one that, that, that Found it out for, to me. You, you sent me the story. What was yeah, your reaction? A, well, it's such a it's such a bummer of a thing, man. I mean, he uh, he seemed for everything I saw about him, the guy seemed like a really nice dude. And uh, you know, everything I've seen, all the people. Of course, when people die, everybody posts the most flowery stuff about him. But he seemed like a guy that was that was a genuine guy and a happy guy and a funny guy. Um, you know, he used to, uh, when he would win his fights, he'd do the little robot dance. And so he was kind of a silly, funny dude, but it's just, you know, it's just, it's one of those life things that it's, it's a big, it's a big picture thing. And it, it, and it all came from what it looks like from, from what I've read about it as it came from an altercation he had with some people in a parking lot of a club and after the altercation happened, then they ran him down, and then they took off in their car. So it, it, it's one of those bigger picture things where it's like, it, you know, it really makes me step back and uh, think about <laughs> my mortality, you know, um, if someone who's that much of a badass, nobody gets out. No, you know, it, it, anything can happen. Someone can have a gun. Someone can. Uh, it's just not worth it. It's just not fucking worth it, man. It's not worth it to get involved with because there are just shitty people out there that have no regard for human life. And they'll uh, they'll run you down in a parking lot of a fucking nightclub because you told them who knows what. Who knows? Who knows what, it, what it even transpired between the two of them? Uh, 
It could have been something as stupid as, you know, hey, man, you almost hit my fucking car. Why don't you watch where you're going? And then they go, go fuck yourself. And then he goes, go fuck yourself. And then he's smart enough to walk away because he's a professional fighter. And he knows that if he knocks the shit out of these people, he's going to go to jail. Because he's one of, he's in the top 1% of the bad motherfuckers on planet. Okay? He's a former UFC fighter, but he's, he's in that top 1% of the baddest motherfuckers. You could say that for the whole UFC roster. <laughs> Because everybody in their weight classes, they're going to beat up 99% of the rest of the fucking planet Earth, respectively. So, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much of a badass you are. It doesn't matter how much of a, a bad motherfucker you are. Somebody hurdles two tons of steel at you and, and runs you down. There's no technique <laughs> to beat that. There's no, uh, you know, you're not going to overpower a fucking car. You're not going to beat up a car. So, it's yeah. just unfortunate. It's a bummer deal, man. And I, sorry to start off the podcast with such a shitty thing, but that's uh, that's pretty much the biggest news that happened uh, this week. And yeah, I didn't. I, I'm sorry to say that I didn't hear about the. Uh, there was another person, another MMA fighter that was run down. Well, a few weeks prior to that, there was a. That Bellator fighter. Oh, right. From, um, and that was a hit and run as well. Down right, in Florida. right. Remember the Black Zillions camp? That's uh, right, that's right. Stefan uh, dedicated his victory at UFC Rotterdam, too. Um, so, I mean, that's just a bizarre coincidence. But I feel that at any time that this happens, well, not ultimately leading to death, but I feel like, I mean, it's been an age-old thing with professional wrestlers over the years, and especially with UFC fighters, they have a target on their backs when they're out in public, when they're out at bars, when they're out at clubs, because, you know, these people just want to pick up, oh, you're a tough guy, you're the ultimate fighter, I'll fuck with you. If you think you're so tough, they'll try to get cheap shots so they can say that they got one over on a professional fighter or something. So Well, here's, here's, here's three things in life that most people are delusional about. One is their ability to fuck well. Two, their ability to play poker well. And three, their ability to fight. Most people are delusional about their ability to do all of those things. Everyone thinks they're good at all of them, no matter what their level. So the guy that's been in the gym for two weeks can think he's just as tough as the guy that's been fighting professionally for a decade. The level of confidence can be the exact same. <laughs> people are just yeah. delusional. They're delusional about what they can do in a fist fight. Most people are grossly incompetent when it comes to physical combat. Most people, so, or, or many people, that think that they're good at physical combat have been able to survive that by putting fear in people and have subverted the uh, having to, to do physical, having to be physical, having to do physical things by intimidating people. 
and more and more in this life, it's like that because they're, it's not, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, when shit happened, you got into a fist fight. <laughs> you got into a fist fight and whoever won, won the argument. And usually when it was over, it was over. Uh, and now people stab and shoot people instead of being in a fist fight. Not that I'm advocating fist fights, but boy, I tell you, sure is quite a, a much better deal to ha- have your jaw jacked than to have your brains blown out. I'd rather have to I'd rather have to eat soup through a straw for three months than to not exist anymore. All right. Well, so just more uh, just more morbid shit. <laughs> just more, okay, just more you're really you're really putting yourself out on a limb there. Oh man. Wow. You'd rather be punched in the face than dead. Well I agree. Yes. Um say if uh uh I really doubt any of our listeners or viewers in the Edmonton area have any information on this, but uh, there have been a couple of photos released. There's uh, Mark Ramondi posted an article on MMAfighting.com of the tr- it was a black truck along with the Crime Stoppers phone number. Um, but anyway, it's not going to be long. Right. It won't be. It won't be long, especially since there's three of them and they're all, probably all in their twenties. And it never gets longer than a few days before one of them runs their mouth to their sister or their cousin or their brother or their neighbor or their uncle or so they're going to run their mouth to somebody and and then that will be the end of it because most people aren't going to abide you running someone the fuck over for for saying words to you. Well, uh, Ryan Jimmo, of course, will be missed. Rest in peace. Um, known for making his UFC debut with a seven-second knockout of Anthony Barouche, Peru, Parosh, excuse me, uh, back in Calgary in 2012. Um, uh, we move on to other fighter news. There have been some announcements about some future Fight cards, uh, some changes to an existing one or one, the first event after 202, which is the UFC's debut in, uh, Sioux Falls, North Dakota, South Dakota, South Dakota, Michael Chiesa, uh, has dropped out, uh, due to a back injury. Oh man, I didn't hear that. That is such a bummer. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good fight. Yeah. So that's another main event with Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I think they're going to try to salvage on two weeks' notice, but there's not an appealing fighter to go up against on short notice. So mm. no. Uh, they're, they're, no, both those guys are on a fucking tear right now. I, I don't think, I don't think either, I don't think anybody wants to see either of those guys. Yeah. 
So that's uh, certainly unfortunate, but they're going to try to find someone. So um, uh, we, we, we shall see. One guy we know that it won't be is uh, Donald Cerrone, who uh, it looks like he's going to be staying at welterweight for a while. He, he is ranked now. I believe he's ranked number 12 uh, at, at welterweight. And his next fight has been announced. It will be against Rick Story at UFC 202, uh, which is headlined, of course, by the rematch between McGregor and Diaz. And another fight that uh, is added to that card has been uh, it was supposed to be the co-main event of the UFC and Fox in late July. And that's a, a fight that I know you personally were looking forward to quite a lot. Anthony Rumble Johnson against Glover Teixeira. That's so, a good fight. Um, the two biggest bangers in the light heavyweight division. That's going to be a slugger-fest. Yeah, so so that has uh, that will be happening then, uh, and let's see. With the other, there's a couple other announcements. Um, Eric Spicely, who just got knocked out in the most recent episode of uh, semifinals of this year's Ultimate Fighter episode, in, in kind of devastated fashion, uh, he's the jiu-jitsu guy with a nautical tattoo in his neck uh, uh he's been signed to to f- also fight on that uh on that card too in south dakota so uh, as well as a a new addition to the women's bantamweight uh who is making her debut in sioux falls so there's some, I guess, intrigue. Spicely looked good earlier in the season, did not look good in getting knocked out uh, in his most recent fight. But he will be, uh, let's see, who, who's his opponent? Sam Alvey. He's going to be uh, smiling Sam. Sam Alvey. Yeah. Yes. Who did, a- did not lo- uh, waste much energy in his uh, last fight. All right. And making a quick turnaround because he can. He threw one fight. <laughs> In, I mean, he threw one punch in round one in just kind of a baffling uh, display of tentativeness, I guess you would say. So, um, yeah, we'll see if, the, if that card can be salvaged. I mean, it, they're making their debut. It's not really like they're going to have a, a great deal of fighters from the Sioux Falls area. It's not like the UFC doesn't really – they don't – quite do it like bellator which has a high amount of local fighters at least on the undercard to, to pad it right well get, that's how they that's how they get a lot of people in there right um i mean that's how they that's how they get that's how they get the crowds out is by is by padding their the undercard with local fighters you know yeah but the ufc Rolls on. Um, Kyle Noak, uh, no, Kyle Bokniak, excuse me, has signed on for a new fight. I think he's going to be in uh, UFC uh, Salt Lake City in addition to that card. And, of course, the big one that we're overlooking, the one that uh, affects 
us the most in a way is it was debuted on the podcast the the uh the new Matt Sarah Jim Norton podcast but CM Punk finally has his debut against Mickey Gall scheduled for uh, September 10th at UFC 203 in Cleveland so That's thrilling uh, well it, um, I, I, I laugh out loud when we found out that you were going to be there for that one yeah I'm sure that you must, you must have secretly been very tickled by that um, oh there, or not, not no so secretly secret. probably not so secretly yeah yeah, yeah. pretty overtly tickled yeah <laughs> so um oh well <laughs> That's cool. Well, I will. I, mean, I will enjoy. I will enjoy seeing him getting the shit knocked out of him. I suppose that will be yeah. my. That will be my only. Uh, the only enjoyment I get out of it is to watch him get his ass handed to him. I hope you know what. I I, I honestly, I don't have anything against the guy. I, I, I know I talk a lot of shit about it, but I, I don't. He seems like a decent guy, and. Whatever, for whatever fucking weird reason, he just decided to become an MMA fighter in the middle of his life. And, uh, you know, obviously the UFC's reasoning is very clear. They do it because he's one of the biggest names in professional wrestling and blah, blah. So, so, you know, good on him. I hope he, I hope, I hope he does make it a competitive fight i don't have very high hopes for it uh, and he was uh he was recruited by the ufc so um it is what it is it's just a a, a way to grab ratings it, it, and the crazy thing is it, it was mentioned today when um mickey gall was a an in-studio guest on the mma hour but the last appearance of cm punk in the UFC was in Cleveland, excuse me, in the WWE was in Cleveland. And now his UFC debut will be in the same arena in Cleveland. So, all right. So there you go. Conspiracy theorists. Enjoy that nugget. (laughs) Yeah. See what you can put together with that. See what, see what kind of dots you can, what kind of beautiful mind, uh, wall montage string, uh, mess you can make of that yeah uh, but with the kind of a shake up to, to the Fox card on July 23rd uh, the co-main event which is no longer going to be Rumble Johnson versus Teixeira will now be the, the return of Gilbert Melendez going up against uh, Edson Barboza in what should be a very exciting very violent striking matchup um you would hope that is that's a good fight that's a really good yeah. fight and uh, also the return of uh you see straw Wade felice herrig coming up against kaylin curran and uh that of course is main evented by holly holm versus uh valentina shevchenko so, um, I mean, there's still a lot of good fights coming up in the Kyle Bachnack fight. I, I mentioned before he's going up. That's going to be for the Vancouver Fox card, Fox 21. Did uh, they say who's he's fighting? 
Yeah, it, it's the um, Ultimate Fighter Latin America winner, um, Enrique Barzola. Okay. One that wore the conductor's type of hat. So, all right, uh, so that's a that's a quite a step up in competition for for Bochniak. Um, yeah, who who we got to see fight at CES two weeks before making his UFC debut uh, against previous guest Charles Rosa, friend yes, of the show. Yes, that is correct. So now he's six and one as a professional, making his second fight. In the UFC, but he is an exciting fighter, so I'm glad to see him uh, in there and on a big platform like free free TV, big Fox. So uh, that card, of course, will uh, I think it's tentatively the main event unless they get a big Canadian stepping up in uh, in there. But uh, scheduled at this point to be Anthony Pettis versus Charles Oliveira, and the undercard. That's a great fight. Yeah, that's uh, the featherweight debut of Anthony Pettis as well. All right. So, oh, good. That's worth. Well, man, I really, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Pettis fan, but uh, I've, it's bum. His last couple of performances have bummed me out. So, I hope to, I hope that he finds whatever combination of things he needs to find in order to, to put himself back together the way that uh, we saw him before and w- w- when he was really earning that nickname showtime yeah indeed he's he's gone from the cover of the Wheaties box to the side of the milk carton <laughs> <at least. laughs> where are they now <laughs> hasn't hasn't yeah. quite gotten to where are they now yet but uh, but where are they now in the wind column? This guy was so yeah. dominant. And, and yeah. I mean, the shine came on. Yeah, he was the first first UFC fighter ever on a Wheaties box. That's a that's a big fucking deal. That's huge. Of course, yeah. So, but Dos Anjos shattered his orbital with the one punch, and then just went on to ragdoll him for five rounds. After that, he took a lot of time off. Restructured his his training camp with Duke Rufus to try to focus just on him, and then uh, Alvarez, who was facing Dos Anjos on July seventh, kind of just came up and he had a game plan, which was just to grind Pettis up against the fence and yeah, he did that. Did that smash mouth wrestling and just just grinded him out. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, against Barboza, uh, he just didn't really have any answer to the the strikes. It was Barboza looked at his best and uh, sort of won a, a sound decision. So now he's dropping featherweight, trying to hopefully use that speed advantage, being the bigger fighter. But he's never fought in this division before, and it's kind of a could be a tough test against Charles Oliveira, whose jujitsu is. Uh, crazy and stand up's uh, great too. I mean, Oliveira yeah. is a fucking all around, he's an all around good fighter, but one thing about Oliveira is he does not like to get hit. Yeah. He, as soon as you tag him one time in the head, all of a sudden he starts turning his head away from you. He starts turning away from the fight once he gets tagged a couple of times. So, 
Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of his, but that's the, that's the one knock on him that I've, that I've noticed is that, um, he gets hit a couple of times. He's not into it. He's, he, he reminds me of, uh, Brock Lesnar in that sense. Uh, where, where Brock, as soon as Brock gets hit a couple of times, he starts turning away from the fight and he's not, not as into it. Uh, and that comes from, uh, their, both of their backgrounds are not as much in getting hit. Oliveira's background is more in jiu-jitsu and Lesnar's background is in, in the highest level amateur wrestling. And then, of course, professional wrestling, where he's not really getting hit. So, uh, once you, once you start getting hit when you're not used to getting hit all the time, it's, uh, can yeah. help so put Oliver, the brakes on right away. <laughs> right. Oliver also has had, uh, issues with making weight in the past, too. So, uh, hopefully he's got that, those days are behind him. Well, that might have been a strategic move on the UFC's part to give uh, give Pettis an easy cut if they expected if they expected uh, uh, Oliveira to come in and not make weight. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do a catch weight one fifty, but uh, or he'll just get twenty percent of his fight purse. But. It seems a lot easier. It seems like a, a, a lot easier now. I'm I'm so happy to see this uh, the rule implementation where they're they're weighing first thing in the morning, um, and then they then they have the whole day to rehydrate and and get back up to snuff. I think it's a brilliant rule change, and I think it's really going to be beneficial for the fighters. Right, and but it, it it isn't it isn't a full fighter. Uh, I don't know how you'd say countrywide thing yet. They've they've got it. It's going to be that way for International Fight Week. I mean, there's no real reason for it not to be, but it still does vary based on commissions. So uh, uh, when they who knows, maybe they'll. I think they can probably successfully convince the South Dakota Athletic Commission, if one exists, to take this on. And, and hopefully it, it just becomes across the board. But uh, worth noting that it, it's still not completely across the board. The UFC wants to institute it, but they still are at the mercy of their own athletic commissions or the ones that they deal with state by state, at least. So hopefully common sense will prevail because so far, through two event, through UFC events and a couple of Bellator events, um, it has of course been resoundingly appreciated by the fighters, who say that the fights will be better of a higher variety, uh, higher quality. Now that they've got uh, a variety of different ways just to come in healthier, and uh, of course that's the biggest one. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it affects your psychology when you have to get across the stage from that uh, from that guy that you're about to do physical battle with, and you're at your physical worst. You're at that. You're at that because some of these guys get to their breaking point to make that fucking weight. You see guys that look just sunken and gaunt and not healthy. 
and so it's nice to it's nice to see those guys to coming in five hours after they've actually weighed in and seeing them replenished and their uh, face structure back to a more normal face structure and then they can stand across from that guy uh, and feel that confidence. Yeah, the difference is very noticeable if you've seen the if you watch the last two weigh-in shows from 199 and from Ottawa. Uh, I mean, they still keep the pageantry of the 4 p.m. weigh-ins and stepping on the scale and all that, even though. Right, that's a weird thing that they're stepping. The <laughs> that's a strange thing that they have them step on the scale and act like they're reading it. That's a weird thing when you know it's not a thing. That's such a that's such a funny thing. I I don't get that at all. But but it's a it's a much lighter. It makes for a much lighter. Everyone seems way more jovial. Everyone seems much heavier. You mean much heavier? You mean much heavier? Well, sure. That's what I did there? Sure. <laughs> that was the joke. Okay. Good. Great. They should just say what their current weight is. That would be more interesting. No, I would like that. That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. They made their weight at 145, and now he's walking around at 162. Okay. <laughs> great. You put on 18 pounds in six hours. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. If you want a good uh, indication of, the, although he hasn't been through it, on the most recent uh, episode of the MMA Report podcast with John Pollock, there's an extensive interview with Johnny Hendricks about how he's approaching the new weight cut. Of course, he went through a notable uh, missing weight kidney stone issue, which scrapped his fight with uh, Tyron Woodley, which was supposed to be on the uh, Cormier-Gustafson card uh, a few months ago. And, uh, yeah, he, he claims he's that, one of those guys oh. that he looks bad on weighing. He's one of those guys yeah. that looks so fucking just sunk. It's just cheeks are just sunken in. It's just his face looks like Skeletor. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys yeah. like him, well, McGregor. McGregor's another one. Their, their face, his face just looks like Skeletor on the day of the weigh-ins, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's just, I mean, if you, he's one of those guys where if you were to fight at his natural weight, he would be fighting at heavyweight. So that is kind of insane if you think of Johnny Hendricks, Hendricks? fighting at heavyweight. Hendricks, yeah. What's he walking around He at? walks around. Well, he walks around over 205. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> But technically, that would be, I mean, yeah, on the low end of heavyweight, but uh, but still. Uh, speaking of heavyweights, let's just, before we get this lost in the shuffle, uh, I know you weren't able to watch the, the full card. I watched most of it, um, but Bellator Dynamite 2, which was a little bit different than their first one, which, of course, was, uh, that was the one that was headlined by, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the Kimbo Slice. Ken Shamrock fight in in St. Louis. And, yeah, that was the uh, one that went it went back and forth between kickboxing matches and MMA matches. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was glory kickboxing then, but glory is, of course, is no longer on Spike. So they had just Bellator's new kickboxing thing, mostly Bellator fighters just kickboxing each other. And, uh, but Matt Mitrione started the card off with his Bellator debut. And wow. He got what a comeback. Yeah, he got fucking dropped, man. That, that dude dropped the ball because he, he had, Mitrione was out. He just, he just didn't do the right. He just took a wrong path. <laughs> he took a wrong path, yeah. uh, getting down on the ground with him. Uh, he should have, he should have stood up and made him stand up on goofy legs and then plastered him a few more times because he was by all intents and purposes out. And so what a comeback, you know, all, all hats off to Mitrione for toughing it out and, and, uh, and coming back from yeah, that. Carl Semenotuapa, Carl Semenotuapa uh, ended up and, and getting knocked out. I mean, Mitrion had to wrestle his way up from the from the bottom. I mean, the ground is not where uh, Carl was strongest, and Mitrion, as disoriented and completely rocked as he was, really uh, credit to. Mitrion for being able to wrestle his way to get up. Uh, yeah, because that's not his strong point either. But uh, you know, when you've got no. somebody, I mean, that's an experience thing. That's an experience thing. If that happened with, you know, Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell's going to stand. He's not going to. He's not going to jump on top of him and try and pound him out. He's going to stand up and wait for the guy to stand up. If the guy can't stand up, then he's out. Then he's out, and then the fight's over. As soon as he stands up. He's going to tag him six, eight, ten more times and put him out. But, you know, it's just, that's just an experience thing, and that it's a, it's a lesson that that dude, that Carl, Carl, uh, last name redacted because I can't pronounce it. Simanura. Uh, Simanatra. All right. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a lesson that Carl's going to have to, he's going to have to take that and, and really, Take a look at it, you know, when you have somebody in trouble that bad, uh, especially when your ground game is as pedestrian as his supposedly is. Um, oh, yeah. That, that you need to take a step back and let your fists do their job. But hats off to Mitrione for... Uh, and there, was, there was something like 16 fights on, on the dynamite card and 15 of them were finishes the only one that was not a finish the was the main, main event, event. <laughs> where, uh, honestly a bit of a disappointment and uh, i think the uh not, i don't want to say a, a robbery but little surprising that rampage was victorious in that i thought that uh ichi wasn't didn't fight the most exciting fight, but I think he did enough uh, to win. And Rampage Jackson looked out of shape, uh, disoriented at times. Seemed confused to have his hand raised even at the end. So just kind of a dull fight. Not sure what the future is for him. Not sure if there's that much exciting matches on the horizon. I know that Rampage was once a big name, but he's just... Uh, Joining the list of fighters who I think uh, 
that's pretty much just what they have. They have their name, and not a whole hell of a lot else, because the fight did not impress me much. I know you you watched the first round and fell asleep. Uh, I stayed up, but I, did. I, I really falling asleep mentally just watching it, but... You know, who knows what's next for him? He's he's winding it up. He's one of those guys that's right near the end. He's, you know, he's got maybe another year, maybe a couple more years in him of fighting. And, and but he's it's pretty pretty close to the end for him. He's never been yeah. world class caliber guy. He's never been uh, uh, somebody who really seemed like he would be a world champion. I mean, so having said that, here's the whole thing. So we sit here in our, me in my garage, you in your basement, talking shit about these professional fighters who are the best athletes in the fucking world. They're the toughest guys on the planet. So that whole, everybody in the UFC, pretty much everybody in Bellator, they can beat 99% of the rest of the world up. <laughs> They're the toughest guys. They train all the time. So it's all, when I say shit like that, it's just my opinion. It's just how I feel about things. I don't, I can't take anything away from any of these fighters that are in the gym, that are fucking putting their life on the line, that are sweating and bleeding and, uh, and putting their heart into this thing that they love and this thing that puts food on their table. So. I never mean any ill will towards anybody. I get frustrated sometimes with fighters and I say things that may be off cuff or, or, or sound really shitty, but I don't wish any ill will towards any fighters and I don't, you know, I don't have any hatred towards any of them. Um, I just, I, I feel opinionated about some things and certain fighting styles appeal much more to me than other fighting styles. I like a well-rounded fighter. I like a fighter who's as versed in one thing as another thing. I don't, it, it baffles me when I see fighters come in and they go, this guy's a blue belt in jujitsu. And I go, what the fuck is he doing in the octagon? How's this guy a blue belt in jujitsu? And he's in the fucking, the, toughest proving ground on planet earth for physical combat other than war <laughs> well that's the thing about mixed martial arts you don't uh, it certainly helps to be well-rounded in all of the things but uh you could i mean it started as strictly specialty fighter in one discipline against another and oh, it did, there, but, it's still, but it's, it's not still, that but, anymore. But it, no it's not that anymore but it is still rock beats paper or rock beats scissors paper beats rock if you're a jujitsu specialist but you get kicked in the face by a kickboxer you're gonna lose if you're a a, a boxer and you're going up against a guy who uh, can box but his specialty is wrestling uh, the chances of you losing are, are much higher so no i feel this i feel the same way the other direction too when i see these world-class jujitsu guys come in and they're just trying to drag somebody to the ground and they're not engaging in a fight and then they fall back on their back i don't i don't know if you it was ufc i don't know 93 i think it was 93 i think it was i think it was 93 and the main event was Anderson Silva versus Talos Laitis. Talos Laitis, world-class jiu-jitsu guy. 
not great stand-up, yeah. although it's gotten much better in the last, like, two, three years. Really has yeah, gotten better. But this was, this was 93, and it was probably six years ago, and he spent five rounds lying on his back. And he just kept falling onto the mat, falling on his back, and inviting Anderson Silva into his guard. And it's like, yeah. that's not a fight. That's not a fight. That's not a fight. No. You need to engage in the fight. So I, it goes both ways for me. If you can't stand with somebody enough to put those combinations together and get them to be worried about this overhand right, and while they're worried about that overhand right, you get up underneath them and double-leg them, you know, and that's another thing that bothers me is really high level jujitsu guys that don't have takedowns. It's like if you don't have takedowns and you're up against the guy who has good takedown defense and better striking than you, you're basically fucked unless he chooses to, to unless he hits you once and you go down and then he hops on top of you and you have an opportunity working from the bottom, uh, but it goes both ways. Uh, it bothers me both ways. It bothers me when uh, when I see somebody who's not, who's only really disciplined in one thing. Like you get guys that are just super, super good at one thing and not another, and that's not what the current state of mixed martial arts is. I, that's one of the things that I loved about the UFC when it first started, and it's one of the things that I, w- was constantly a topic of conversation because I'm a lifelong martial artist. I started doing martial arts when I was, I don't know, eight years old, seven years old. I started doing Kempo Karate and I did Tansu Do and then I wrestled all through junior high and high school and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, I've always been involved in martial arts in one way or another and it's always been a topic of conversation between me and my friends and we've always talked about what's the well, what would happen if a if a kung fu guy and a wrestler fought what would happen if a if a, a karate guy and a pen socks okay, guy would fight so so when the ufc first came on and it was these singular disciplines it was the most exciting thing i'd ever seen in my whole fucking life i couldn't believe that it was a thing that was actually happening it was like a fucking dream it was the, it was, I was like, oh my god, it's a boxer versus a fucking sumo guy, and a, a kickboxer versus a jujitsu guy, and a judo guy versus a kung fu guy, and holy shit. So, that was one of the things that really excited me about it, but the game has evolved, and in order for you to be competitive at this thing, all the questions are answered. There's no, one thing always beats out another thing. There isn't. It's the guy that's the most well-rounded. I mean, there's an argument that... Well, it's just basically anything can happen in a fight. It, and it helps. You're the most... The person that's most prepared is most likely to win. So that, right. For example, just to bring it back, I was trying to discuss a couple fights of this Bellator thing, and we got it to... Pride in the UFC. Yeah, but, sorry. Uh, Sometimes I go off a little bit, you know. It's okay. I do know. <laughs> um, but one, of course, Bellator's uh, lightweight champion. Holy uh, shit. He's vacant, and a guy primarily known as a wrestler might have had uh, a knockout of the year uh, 
with Michael Chandler defeating Patricky Pitbull with just a flush. He, he got fucking murked. He knocked a mustache off of his face. <laughs> Pitbull got murked. Good Lord. Good Lord, yeah. that was a gnarly knockout. Big time, one-punch knockout, three minutes into the fight. The new Bellator lightweight champion, Michael Chandler. And it was just done in devastating fashion against a guy who is primarily known as a striker. He was knocked out by uh, pretty much a wrestler. I mean, he, he's been training, I, I guess, with the Black Zillions and uh, Henry Hoof, I believe. Yeah, he spoke very highly about it in the post-fight interview, but it was uh, the interview that was on Axis TV, Fight Nights, or uh, Inside MMA, rather. Uh, amazing, amazing knockout. Uh, one of the big highlights. The other thing I wanted to mention, and it wasn't on the... So, if, for those of you who missed it, you can go to bellator.spike.com and watch videos of all the fights from the That's evening. That's such a good thing. That's such a good deal. Yeah. I'm so glad that they that they've done that for people that either don't have cable or can't can't watch it in time or don't have DVRs. I'm very happy that they are doing that for folks. Yeah, it's so it's a very uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, and and they they put the including the kickboxing parts of the card in there as well, and. There's uh, and and most of the kickboxers are mixed martial artists that are just which is <laughs> kind of the opposite of what we were saying before because they can only operate in this one skill set and they can't follow a guy to the ground or they can't shoot in on a double. Um, but there was a rematch of a, a, a Bellator fight featuring Joe Schilling versus Hasaki Kato. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Very exciting fight. Very worth your time uh, to go back and watch that. Um, as well as Raymond Daniels. Didn't Hasaki, K- didn't Hasaki Kato knock him out the first time? He did. He knocked it, out it, Joe it, Schilling the first fight. And it was an MMA fight, right? Right. In yeah. the in the Bellator cage. Right. In the Bellator he, cage, he knocked him out cold, right? Right. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. And uh... oh, I, sorry, not to cut you off. I meant to mention this before uh, when we were talking about Rampage. Uh, was it Hitoshi Ishii? Um, yeah. So Hitoshi. yeah, yeah. So Hitoshi Ishii is a judo Olympian, and he gold is medalist. yeah gold medalist. And he he's actually in the next Metamoris. Uh, if uh, for those of you that listen to the Gonzaga interview, he's supposed to be uh, fighting Gonzaga in the next Metamoris in a in a straight grappling match. So that should be very very interesting. Yeah, uh, in, and that's another thing that we also skipped over as it relates to the Bellator card. That there might it's a little bit. I know it's just grappling, but when a fighter is a, approaching their next challenge, but they already have something else booked over the horizon. I ha- I got to think that's got to be somewhat of a distraction. Uh, and granted, he wouldn't be able to do it if he, say, Rampage knocked him out and he couldn't get medically cleared. 
even to grapple, but, um, right. And having said that, I don't know, I, I have to look up to see when the Metamorphs event is because I've, I'll okay. try and look that up now while you're finishing. Yeah, but here. for instance, after the Matt Mitrione fight, uh, you know, this is a guy that clearly was, well, maybe he wasn't knocked out cold. He was certainly seeing cartoon birds flying around his <laughs> head after, after getting knocked clean out jelly legs and all but his next fight is going to be three weeks away on that london card that they're still trying to salvage in the wake of the of course tragic death of uh kimbo slice you know they've they've, they've tried to pad it it's now going to be paul daly against lima in the welterweight uh main events and, and they have uh Michael Venom Page going against Cyborg, which just kind of, I don't I think that Cyborg should not be fighting at all. He oh, kind of went out of his way. Boy. He kind of went out of his way to talk about how much of, how the memory loss that he's suffered, and he got fucked up big time in his last fight. So it's really just, I know there's no athletic commission over there in, in the UK. Maybe they're using their own regulators but but still, it's just. Wait, I uh, thought I thought Cyborg got a knockout in his last fight. No, he he had a submission win uh, prior to that, so he came back on short notice, and he got pretty brutally knocked out uh, his last time out. Um, I, I forget by who, but it it was kind of surprise knockout. Let's see if I can find it. But, um, yeah, Cyborg Santos is definitely coming off of, of a devastating loss. And Michael Venom Page is just any way but up is where he's heading. So, and it, of course, he's from the UK, so I can understand they want to get him an opponent, but I don't know if that's the right one to do. Uh, to put him up against. Come on. A six pack. Uh oh. Also, I'm trying to find an ad, and they're sending me this ad. They're not a sponsor of the podcast. Get out of here. Fucking A. Um, it looks like the uh, July 17th is the next Metamorris, and uh, the the main event is uh, Marcus Almeida Buchecha versus Hodger Gracie, which is uh, which is a rematch. And a, a a crazy fight. I mean, these are two of the guys that are at the very top of the jujitsu game. Um, so I, I'm excited for that match. But I'm trying to get the full card here. I'm trying to look up the full card here. But uh, yeah. Supposed, anyway, the, supposedly, the, the thing that I'm saying is is that it was a little bit weird to have a guy who is just nearly knocked out. Uh, they announced his next fight while he was in the cage before they could do any medical examinations on him or whatever uh, For in terms of Matt Mitrione and his next opponent. I know that they want to have... Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, it's really hard to, to Google Cyborg Santos and not get 
all the results of Christina, her, his former wife, uh, who also had the same nickname, even though she's Chris Justino now, but um, uh, whatever. Doesn't yeah, matter. this is. Uh, this I know is... he got knocked out. It was brutal. Uh, it was at Bellator. No, it's coming up. One fifty-eight. No, they just don't have. It just doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. Uh, okay, finally found it. And da, 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 da. losses, seventeen losses. That's a lot of fights. To, uh, regardless, fucking okay. Bellator. Yeah, so, yeah. He lost to Saad Awad at Bellator one fifty four, uh, which wasn't, which was on May fourteenth, not that long ago. And you're now you're talking about Carl, up. last name unpronounceable. No, I'm talking about Cyborg Santos, oh. who is fighting uh, Michael Venom Page in England. But um, Matt Mitrione is also on that England card, and he nearly got knocked out in his fight, yet they brought his next opponent in to make the fight announcement, which is, oh, by the way, in three weeks. So Jesus Christ. Is that smart? <laughs> is that healthy? Is that dangerous? Uh, probably I not. I, I, I don't uh, – if that uh, – I, I don't know where that last where where that last card was, but that that commission should have suspended him for at least probably a few months for nearly getting knocked out or basically getting knocked out. <laughs> right, and this is in the most we talked about Bellator from this past week that was in uh, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So, yeah. uh, all right. Well, to jump back on well, the that's really all that. Yeah. I was just going to jump back on the Metamorphs. I found the whole card. Actually, Buchecha is out, and they're trying to find a replacement fight for Hodger Gracie. Uh, the co-main event, though, is Hallett Gracie versus Gary Tonin. Uh, Hallett Gracie, of course, is the founder of Metamorphs. Um, and Gary Tonin is, of course, the baddest motherfucker out there right now, especially with leg locks. Uh, he's like the four-time uh, winner of the Eddie Bravo Invitational and has beat a bunch of people, but also uh, Gonzaga versus Satoshi Ishii. Uh, and then Dylan Danis is on this card and uh, uh, Gilbert Derhino Burns. So that's the that's the full Metamorph card happening in a few weeks on the 17th of July. July 17th. Okay, I feel like there's another... Is there a UFC that night, too? Maybe that's when the uh, Sioux Falls show is. But anyway, a lot of thing, a lot of fight announcements, not too many fights. As we get closer to International Fight Week, when we have a crowded slate of cards, maybe we can do something where we will do a little bit of a mini preview of the dose. Actually... Well worth looking on YouTube. It's only about 21 minutes long, but it's a special of, uh, it's called Battle Lines, Dos Anjos versus Alvarez, where it goes into a little of each fighter's training camp in the lead up to this with Dos Anjos isolating himself in Singapore and Alvarez, of course, training in his native Philadelphia, New Jersey area. But, 
Seems like Desanios is focusing a lot on Muay Thai and making some money on the side teaching uh, jiu-jitsu to the uh, Singapore students while he's down there. Anyway, kind of an interesting look, and it's for free on the UFC's YouTube channel. So, I'll have to check um, that out. Hey, uh, yeah. did you did you see there was a video, and I, I, I have to go back now and look and see what the... I don't even want to mention what what the organization was, so forget it. But uh, there was a there was a it was some one of the smaller cards, one of these regional or semi regional cards, uh, where one fighter had a rear naked choke on the other fighter, and the the, yeah. the fighter that was being choked was clearly out for I don't know probably. It was 16 Probably. seconds. I watched that this morning, in fact. But I watched it. It was on RFA, which was part of the Axis Fight uh, Night. And, uh, yeah. That, real, that ref should be banned from refing ever again. Yeah, I mean, if, in, in his that's defense. A, that's enough, that's enough for a guy to be dead. It only, it I only mean, takes his, 20 seconds. It takes 20 seconds for you to be dead, for the, for you to have no blood going to your brain, and you're done. Yeah, uh, it it was a scary video. It but it, the the crazy thing is that, that his eyes were open the entire time, and he was sort of moving his hands, similar to the way that Holly Holm was kind of punching. But it, in in those cases, and people always kind of laugh about it, but that's a fighter having a seizure. That's what is happening. What like those crazy movements. And so he he couldn't tap, and the ref. Yeah, I, I mean, I listen. I'm I'm with you. It was really scary, it, but it, it's fucked up when their their eyes are open. So a lot of times, here's the, here's the problem. Here's here's the their eyes. here's the problem with a lot of the ref situation. You sh- they should be picking refs solely from people that have fight experience. Because if you don't know what a motherfucker looks like when they're going out, you're not, you don't know. You just don't know. When you train every day and when you do jujitsu all the time, you know. You see when that happens. You can tell. You can see it across the room. You can tell when you're on somebody's back and they're no longer there. As a fighter, that guy's doing the right thing by not letting off. Because the ref's not doing his fucking job. So, but imagine that. Imagine the guy dies. That guy, that fighter has to deal with that the rest of his fucking life. I murdered a guy unintentionally by choking him until he was no longer alive. And now I have to deal with that the rest of my life. And this guy's got a mother and a father and a, who knows, wife and kids and who the fuck knows what. And now that guy's gone. Because this dipshit ref, they hired some guy who took some two-week course, and all of a sudden, he's a fucking MMA ref. Well, I, I think it's very important for, for, all, for, for, all, for judges and for refs to be picked from pools of people that have experience fighting and have experience training and know what it's like and know what these things mean. Well, it, that's one of many things that can go back to having a, a countrywide commission because I, I don't know what state 
it was being broadcast from. I only saw some of the uh, RFA fight card, but there has to be a main governing body, and maybe that's something that is being talked about in terms of uh, uh, to, to bring it around in a crazy way. Um, one of the most outspoken fighters about a fighter union and about progressing the sport in a lot of these ways was Ryan Jimmo. And, and he, uh, it's scary. And I, I, I want to say one had to do with the other, but who knows? And that, there's the Ali Act. And, well, and there's the, a, that's something that conspiracy theorists really can work with there. Cause you're right that who knows how, how, who knows, dude? I, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of hinky shit that happens in mixed martial arts that I just go, wow, that's really weird. That's really weird. Because I'll tell you, here, here, here's this is a far out example. It's a totally far out example, but the fight originally was supposed to be Misha Tate versus uh, Ronda Rousey. And then they chose that to have Holly Holm do it instead because they they didn't think they were going to get the numbers. People were they they'd seen that fight twice before. Nobody was interested in seeing that fight. And then and then Holly Holm knocks her out. And then Holly Holm gets submitted by Misha Tate. And now Misha Tate's the champion. And then if she hangs on to that belt for a little while, and then uh, Rousey comes back, that fight has has legs. The return of Ronda Rousey fighting for the title against Misha Tate is a way bigger fucking paycheck than Ronda Rousey as the champion fighting Misha Tate for the first time. It's just a, it's just a thing that it's not it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything and it doesn't there's no proof of anything. It's just one of those things that I go, wow, that's just kind of weird. Kind of strange. It's a strange thing. But um, well, um, anyway, <laughs> I think that's, that's, a, that's an unrelated conspiracy, nothing to do with athletic commissions, but um, hopefully uh, that fight happens. Well, here's a, let me give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. This is a, this is a related yeah. example. It's a related example uh, to ha- hiring refs that, ha- that have knowledge. If you go to an IBJJF tournament, the... Uh, that's the biggest, that's the governing body of jiu-jitsu. If you go to IBJJF tournament, all of the refs are black belts. All of them. That means they've all been training for decades. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there that's not an expert at jiu-jitsu. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think that there needs to be a, a state a uh, countrywide commission and if they go to another country that doesn't have it such as Australia or Brazil they have to agree to bring their commission with them and i know that UFC ends up becoming the governing body when they go to a place but still we've seen it time after time i mean even here in boston there is the Matt Mitrione situation was badly mishandled mm. by a local Massachusetts referee who happened to be the owner of a regional promotion 
and happened to be friends with Mitrion's opponent, Travis Brown. And and if you look at the, the farce of Fedor Emelianenko's fight at EFN 50, he is the chairman of the Russian Mixed Martial Arts Federation. <laughs> that appointed the Jesus referee. Fucking Christ. And so, like, it's, it's such a, a it's such a hokey fucking mess, man. God damn. So, so like that's that's one that the and that and you're right. There are people's lives at stake if referees aren't properly trained. If they're not adequately trained, things can go bad and things will go bad and something has to give. And it just, it's just one of those things as this, I mean, the sport's only 23 years old or 27 years old now, mixed martial arts, it officially in an official capacity, things are still evolving and we're going to, probably look back in five years and say, I can't believe it was like this. Why? Mm. Look at the weight cutting thing. I, I mean, I mentioned earlier that it's not statewide. First, earlier this year, it still wasn't legal in 50 states, and now it is. And so it, there's still a lot of room to grow. It's It feels yeah, like I'm it's also, progressed. I'm also an advocate for fighters having a union. You know, if the fighters have a, had a union, that Reebok deal would have never fucking flown. Would have never flown if the fighters had a union. The fighters had a union, it would have been nope. You tow the party line. If you want to, you want to slap these fucking silly costumes on us, we're all walking. Good luck putting a card together with whatever second-rate fighters you're going to find to replace the entire UFC roster. But they're. There needs to be a fighters union. Yeah. Well. Well, hopefully there there is some progress made by the next episode that we have together. Mm. But uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening. Follow. Thanks for listening those. to our Debbie Downer episode. <laughs> the Debbie. I think it was more bookended <laughs> by tragic tragedy and the possibilities of tragedy. But um, I'm or I'm, I'm optimistic. They're making small steps, and I say they, primarily COC, although Bellator was the first organization to do the early weigh-ins because it was offered to them by the Kansas Commission, spearheaded by Sean Wheelock, mm. uh, who was a former Bellator broadcaster, yeah, yeah. ironically. So um, there are people out there, John McCarthy being one of the big figureheads, who want to make the sport safer, and they want to cut down on dangerous weight cuts they want to cut down on fighters getting back in the cage too soon there's people doing big time studies about brain trauma and it's what's it called uh cts or the effects that it has so uh, th there are people that want there to be progress to be made it, it may be a slow road, but I but I hope that without any tragedies being uh, a way to make it faster, I hope they can do it without anything terrible happening to any current fighters as a result of mistakes that could have easily been avoided within the cage or in the lead up to a fight. But uh, that remains to be seen. I think so. It's we're not ending on a downer note. We're, we're on. <laughs>
on an optimistic note. <laughs> I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could title. Uh, I wish I could uh, make the title of this episode. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> Wish that could be the title of this episode. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be. Okay, Nick. Well, thanks for tuning in, talking to me, whatever. Wrapping it up. All good right, night. brother. It was good talking to you, and uh, I will thanks talk to you soon. I don't know what your – do you have plans for 200 yet? Um. Well – I I'm gonna be watching it at my house. I have some okay. people coming over. Okay. Um, the days before, I'm I'm working. Well, I have a show on Thursday, so I'll be probably watching the Fight Pass event on tape delay uh, when I get home, and then Friday I'll probably watch the ultimate. People are welcome to come over for the Ultimate Fighter finale. I don't know how likely that will be, but. Um, I, I, I shall certainly be tuned in for that as well. So, lots mm-hmm. to get to next week is a busy time. So, yes, happy Fourth yeah. of July, everyone! And Enjoy it. Safe. Stay safe. Don't blow your fingers off. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Amen. All right. All right. MMA okay. maniacs over Good and time. out. Peace. That's the end. No, we it. The MM Maniacs podcast brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. They're located at 1338 Hookset Road in Hookset, and their phone number is 603-641-3444. Their website is www.teamlinkhooksetnh.com. Uh, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years, and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link, and it's one of the best schools I've ever trained at. Um, there's a lot of great instructors over there. There's no knuckleheads whatsoever. A lot of people there that are trying to help you get better at whatever it is that you want to study. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, karate, whatever it is that you want to study for martial arts, they've got somebody there to teach you the right way to do it. Uh, so if you go there, you tell them that the MMAniacs podcast sent you. They'll give you a free T-shirt and 30 free days to try out the school. Uh, again, their phone number is 603-641-3444, and their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com.